Today's scripture reading is from Ephesians 5, and if you'd like to follow along in the Red Pew Bibles, um, we will be reading from page 978, so it's Ephesians 5, 1 through 21. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the fruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Annalise. Good morning. As we get started, I just got to say, sometimes second service, it feels like everyone is way back there and I'm all alone, and you're more spread out today all the way towards the front, and that, I just feel more welcome today as I step up to preach, like maybe you're not scared of me a little more today. So thanks for that. Um, would you pray with me again as we get ready to look at this scripture verse? God, thank you that you brought us here. God, thank you that we are alive. Thank you that we are in this place um, among friends and loved ones. And I ask, God, that as we pause from this day and as we sit with one another, God, would you speak to us? Would you use the scripture verses? Would you use the testimony? Would you use the songs, God? Would your spirit speak to us, um, encourage us, teach us, mold us, and help us to learn to live in your ways and to walk in your ways, God? Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. So we've been talking for a few weeks on this theme of returning our hearts to God. Returning our hearts to the God who made us and the God who loves us. We've been inviting you to, to be a part of this Lent journey with us. Uh, we've been inviting you to fast from food, to, from one or two meals a day, and to have some other kind of personal fast or personal experiment, call it, where you seek God in a specific way, or you skip something in a specific way to draw near to God um, over this 
Lenten season. And I want to say two things about that briefly. One of them is, I have been so encouraged by how many people are actually trying this. You know, sometimes we, we have staff meetings and we pray about things and we, and we, we have ideas um, and it doesn't actually happen. Um, but in this case, I have talked to so many of you, um, to people who are, who are really wrestling with how do I draw near to God in this season? How do I draw near to God in, in prayer? How do I approach this idea of a fast and skip some meals? Or how do I skip, whether it's movies or whether it's Instagram or whether it's some other sin or idea, how do I skip that and focus on God? And so many of you that I have bumped into or talked to after church have been trying something. And I believe that God is honored in our attempts. Even if we, we do it imperfectly or we forget one day, we don't quite do it the way we would like to, I believe that God is honored as we seek God, as we seek to return to God. I believe God is honored um, and pleased in that. So I've been super encouraged by so many people. Um, I also want to say, if you've been trying out this Lent thing, this is kind of the hard part. Like we're like two-thirds of the way there. And at first, if you tried it, it's really fun, at least for me, when you try something like that for the first week or two, it's kind of exciting and you're talking about it. And then you get to like, you know, third week, fourth week, fifth week, and it gets a little tiring to be skipping whatever that thing is and to be focusing or to skipping a meal. It gets a little tiresome at this point. We're still a little ways off from Easter. So I want to encourage you, if that's you, that like Easter's, Easter's coming, we've got a couple weeks, to, to hang in there or to jump in there with a fast if you haven't tried it yet. There's still a couple weeks to jump in and be a part of this um, with us. I want to ask you a question, and this question is a big part of this theme this morning. So if you forget other stuff that happens today or that I say, I want you to, to just really think about this question, and that is, do we actually believe that God can deliver us from our sins, our unhealthy habits, our mistakes, our shadow side? Because we talk about that in church a lot, and the scripture says that, and we sing songs about that, but I really want you to take a moment and really reflect. Do you actually believe that God can give you freedom over whatever sins or mistakes are tripping you up? Do you actually, honestly, in your heart, in your soul, believe that God can help you move on from that, whatever it is? Do you honestly believe that's possible? for God to grow you, for God to change you, for God to move you past whatever it is. Because the reality is, in different ways, in big ways and small ways, in this human life, we get stuck in certain ruts. We get stuck in certain habits, certain rhythms, certain ways of being, certain ways of living, certain ways of walking. And whether it's a big dramatic sin that you're embarrassed of, or whether it's just a simple habit that is not helping you become the person God wants you to be, we get stuck in certain ruts and habits very often in our lives. And if I could go around person to person and ask you today, are there certain things you would like to change? Is there something you would like to stop doing? Is there a way of living that you would like to stop or a way of living that you would like to start that you believe God is calling you to, that you've heard taught, that you would like to? I bet almost all of you or all of you would say, yeah, there's, there's these certain, whether, it, whether it's a deep, dark, hidden thing or whether it's just a very simple thing that you can't quite move past, many of you or most of you or all of you would say, yeah, there is, there is something and it's there. And I want to challenge you this morning, your perspective. Do you actually believe God, God's power can shift that? Do you believe that God's power can change that, that you can overcome that? 
These first couple of verses are some of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live a life of love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So as we seek to return to our hearts to God, and we'll talk more about sin in a few moments, then we're going to have a testimony and then a time of worship, I want to first talk about our identity. For those of us who are in the church, who have decided to follow God, who have given our lives to God, our identity, because Paul writes all these letters to churches, right? Philippians and Colossians and Galatians and Ephesians, and one of his big themes is knowing who you are, that your identity is a child of God. He even says, a beloved child of God. He says, that is who you are, as he's writing these letters. So this morning, I say to you, you are God's beloved child. That is your identity. That is who you are. And yes, you are a man, you are a woman, you are a father, you are a single person, you are someone who works somewhere and someone who lives somewhere and someone who looks a certain way. But in a deep sense, the scriptures say who you are is God's beloved child. God's beloved child. Now, during the, during the first service, I preached this and then I was sitting here and I was getting ready to do the benediction and I was wrestling with this idea of God, God's love for us. That that's who we are. We are God's beloved children. That God has this compassionate, amazing love towards each one of us and a care towards each one of us um, as a beloved father. And so I was getting ready to do um, the benediction and I, I hit, I have this iPad I'm preaching from and I hit it and what I saw before I got to my benediction notes was a picture of my daughter and I, my, my youngest. Um, that's her right there. I'm barely in the picture. It's a little, a little more her. So this is supposed to be my only, my preaching iPad, only for preaching, nothing, nothing else. Um, but she took it and took a picture, and I came back one day, and I'm like, oh, that's, that's my youngest, and that's, that's me on the screen. So I, I left it, because I'm like, that's adorable, right? Um, but this morning, I, was, I just happened upon this picture, um, and it just struck me. If I can look at this picture, um, and I am an imperfect father. I am a flawed father. Um, and I can look at my kids' pictures, even though they sometimes drive me crazy, but I can look at this picture and all of a sudden like, start tearing up right, in the pew because I love this little girl. I'm going to show you again. Like, I, you know, I love her. Like, I would fight for her. I would protect her. I don't want her to feel pain. I don't want her to be scared. I don't want her to be sad. Right? I want her to be safe. And I want her to be able to move on from whatever she wants to move on from. Right? Like that, these deep emotional things come up in me. Like I want her to be okay and safe and to know who she is. And if I'm this flawed, messed up human being, and I feel that strongly about her, like I just want you to imagine if there, that there's a perfect heavenly father that has this emotion and this care towards you. This God that wants you to be safe. This God that wants to carry you out of things that you need to leave. This God that wants you to thrive. This God that wants you to live a life of love and a life of light with him. This is the God that we serve. Amen? This is this God. So I'm going to look at this passage, and I want you to keep in mind that we are God's beloved children. So Paul starts talking about sin in this chapter, and he goes through kind of an overview of, of some really common sins that trip us up and that kind of mess us up in our life. 
um, in the beginning of Ephesians 5. He talks about sins of, of sexuality. He says fornication, so sex outside of marriage. And that's something that for so many of us we have wrestled with in different ways, with thought life, with computer life, with actual life, of wrestling with purity and of being devoted to God in this sense. But then Paul lists a bunch of other things. Paul talks about obscene, um, silly, and vulgar talk. The kind of talk that we can just get stuck in, the things we watch, and this kind of obscene, vulgar, silly, not appropriate that we can spend energy on. And Paul says, just get away from all that. That's not you anymore. Just get away from it. I was reflecting on this passage and remembering um, a couple weeks ago, I, I don't know what made me think about it, but I all of a sudden was reminded of being a 12-year-old and listening to these prank phone calls that my buddies and I would listen to. There was like an album that came out when I was around 12, and there was an album, and they would prank people in what I thought were really funny ways. And something reminded me of it. So the other day, I'm like, I remembered. I'm like, hun, I, I, I want to show you all these. I just remembered these certain prank calls and this certain group and these albums they put out. So I go on YouTube and find them, and I play the first one, and I start saying things. I'm like, oh, and so I can, and Andrea says, turn the volume down. Like, our kids can hear that. I'm like, oh, sorry. I'm like, let's go to the next one. So I play the next one, and it's just stupid and, like, vulgar, and it's, like, derogatory towards women and towards, like, certain ethnicities, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. So like, let's go to the next one. So I play, like, the next one, and I'm thinking that's going to be funny, right? Here's the funny one. I'm like, oh, I remember, and I play it, and it's, like, kind of funny, but it's just stupid and kind of vulgar, and, and my wife is just looking at me with this look, like, not really condescending, but, like, oh, this is so sad. Like, why? You are, I cannot believe, I cannot believe. I'm like, no, here's the, and I finally realized this is, like, why am I stuck in this? Like, I'm remembering this, this immature part of myself where I was like 12 or 13, and I want to reminisce, but now I'm realizing I've spent 20 minutes looking at something that is just not helpful. It's just unhealthy. It's just derogatory, and it's just obscene. But sometimes we just get pulled into like that kind of humor, right? Like that kind of thing, whatever it is, and we just want to dwell on it. But Paul says, just get away from it. He actually, in lots of different ways in this chapter, says just, just run away from anything like that. He talks about drunkenness. He doesn't say drinking, but he says getting drunk with wine. Now, wine was what you could get drunk on back then. If it was today, he'd probably say don't get drunk on cocktails, right, or good bourbon, or good beer, whatever, you know, whatever you're into. But he says, hey, just in drunkenness, you just want to stay away from that. So Paul keeps writing in different ways. Just, just run away. Just get away. Don't even talk about it. So look, look at verse 3 and 4 again. He says, but sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Later in verse 12, he says, it's shameful to even mention things. Just, just stay away from all these things that you know aren't good for you. Okay, now let's go to the, the next theme here, verses 8 through 10. He wrote, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Now, I read these verses a few times, and usually I think of like being near the light or walking in the light, but in this passage, Paul actually wrote, You were darkness but now you are light in the world. So this idea of identity again. It says you were darkness, but you are light. It's not that you can get near the light or kind of in the light or get around the light, but Paul says God has made you and you are the light now. 
a fundamental shift in, in who we are and how we view ourselves in God as God's beloved children. Um, I want to look at a couple ways Paul talks about living, and some translations say walking, but this idea of either living or walking. So verse 2 says to live in love. Verse 8 says to live as children of light. Verse 15 says to be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise. How we actually live, not just what we think or what we read, but how do we actually live or walk in the world? So I want to ask you this question again. In your own real, actual way of living and being and walking, do we actually believe that God can transform us? Do we actually believe that God can change the parts of us that we hope would change? Do we actually really deeply believe that? One of the reasons I started to like this church was I like the name, Regeneration. It's a good name because it means something. It means that God can regenerate us from the inside out. God can make us new people, give us a new life, a new way of living in the world. So I'm going to answer this question I keep asking you to reflect on, and the answer is yes. Yes, God can transform us. Yes, God can help you with God's power break that habit. Yes, God can help you stop doing that thing you would like to stop doing. Yes, God can make us people of love, who live in love, who walk in love, who walk in light, who live in light. God can make us those people. And yes, there is this reality that we're always going to be flawed and we're always going to make some mistakes on this earth and this life. But God says all through these scriptures, you can have a new life. God can mature you. God can grow you. Now, I'm gonna, we have the, the uh, privilege of hearing a, a testimony of somebody who's going to share just how God has worked um, in their life. So I'm going to invite Linda um, to come up. And I am really grateful for anytime somebody is willing to share about kind of vulnerably, honestly, about their own life and how God has worked in it. So can we give Linda a quick, a quick little welcome to the stage? Hi, Regen. My name is Linda. I've been attending for about 11 months, and I help with the student ministry team across the street. And I'm up here because um, I would like to share with you about how I've experienced the Holy Spirit begin his regeneration process in my life. Um, I was raised in a Christian family in Livermore, and I attended a Lutheran elementary school. Um, but despite my mom's best interest for my spiritual life, I decided to adopt the values of the world um, and seek a life of pleasure around the age of 17. Um, when I was 28 years old, uh, God called me back to him when I was living in Southern Oregon. Um, I was working, I had a seasonal job with the BLM, and uh, I had just started dating a Christian man who on our third date invited me to church. And of course I said, sure. Um, but when I left the date, I was seriously nervous about stepping into a church again. Um, so not wanting to make a fool out of myself uh, in front of a handsome guy, I decided I would attend a church uh, the week before, just as a test run. Um, my <laughs> so my old youth pastor who baptized me when I was 16, uh, he at that time was a lead pastor at a Nazarene church in Medford. And so I contacted him and he told me that there was an event at the fairgrounds the following weekend, a baptism service. 
Um, and so I decided to go, but I had no idea um, what a huge decision for my life that would be. Uh, so there I was Sunday morning uh, at the Josephine County Fairgrounds, um, sitting alone on a blanket in a grass section of an amphitheater, watching children and adults uh, dedicating their lives to God. And it was in that moment, sorry, it was in that moment that my heart looked to God again for the first time in 12 years. And he gave me a really powerful vision. Um, in the vision, it was like God cracked a door open to this cave I've been living in, and it flooded with light. And for the first time, I saw my spirit and the state of my spiritual health. And it, there was this creature, um, half human, half like something undescribable, um, emaciated, ribs showing, shackled, bound, covered in its own filth, um, and just so weak, and just completely unaware of itself and its surroundings. Um, and I knew in that moment that was me. And I knew it was a result of all the decisions I had made in the past 12 years. Um, and it just broke my heart. It still does. And I probably cried on that grass for about an hour, um, but I knew that my life would never be the same. And once I calmed down, I, I, I left the fairgrounds and I called my mom and told her what had happened and she was ecstatic. Um, she mailed me some devotionals and encouraged me, um, encouraged me to listen to worship music as much as possible. Um, and then so I finished my seasonal job that summer and I moved back to Santa Cruz and I be, really began reading the Word of God for the first time in a new, in a new way. And as I gained that spiritual understanding, uh, I recognized a lot of incompatibilities between my old life and my new relationship with God. And I, God was asking me to give up both alcohol and sex and my party lifestyle. And, um, but of course, I was like Israel, um, and I rebelled and completely ignored him. Um, but several months later, I ended up in the hospital with an infection of my fallopian tubes. And um, I have no doubt in my mind that that was um, directly related to my rebellion. Um, as a result, I accrued $10,000 in medical expenses and jeopardized my future fertility. So to offset all these new medical payments I had to pay, um, I moved somewhere cheaper. And I ended up in Chico, California. Um, and it was in Chico that I really entered into a nice rest and recovery phase. Um, I discovered the writings of A.W. Tozer uh, and began learning about who the Holy Spirit was and his power. And I began praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit in my life as I learned about what living for God really looked like. Um, my vision of the Spirit in that cave never left me. And at that point, um, God had fed my spirit enough to actually stand up and kind of shuffle over to the doorway and look at, out at this like beautiful field and just radiating light. But I stood at that doorway for a really long time, unable to really make that, that move out. Um, the day I was baptized with the Holy Spirit was the day that I received the courage to finally step out of that cave. And I was finally free. My spirit leapt for joy and danced for the first time in so long. So good. But it turns out um, when you invite the Holy Spirit um, into your life uh, and to work on you, he really can transform um, 
He really can transform you, and he'll get work to write. He'll get to work right away. Uh, so weeks later, my mom approached me um, about taking care of my grandpa here in Alameda, and I knew instantly that God was calling me uh, to serve my family. And every time I expressed doubt of like, why? Why do I have to give up my life? Why do I have to give up this? God would just always say, yes, yes, but do you trust me? And really struggling with it, I just chose to obey and say, yes, Lord, I, I will trust you. I don't understand now, but I will. So moving to Alameda to live with my grandpa began a really heavy uh, pruning period. And it's forced me to give up a lot of myself. And in giving, but by giving up everything, God was able to start gutting out and remodeling my heart into a more appropriate dwelling place for his spirit. Oh, sorry. Um, in this time, God encouraged me not to date, uh, he, which has forced me to find my identity in him instead of in my, my romantic relationships. He's also relieved me of my habit of self-medicating with alcohol by giving me enough courage to face um, my emotions, disappointment, and grief uh, with his strength. And this last August, God gave me a new identity. He said, you are no longer a broken little girl. You're a whole and complete woman in me. And in doing so, he gave me a new identity, uh, complete with a brand new white robe and a shiny suit of armor to wear which I am so grateful for. Uh, he began healing wounds for my youth, uh, ones that arose um, from growing up with an emotionally absent alcoholic father and from being sexually exploited by a close authority figure in my youth. Um, in receiving God's new identity, um, I've been able to release a lot of that pain. Um, it's still a work in progress. And better understand his suffering on the cross. I'm learning to follow the Holy Spirit as I begin to live a different life and become a steward of both my body and my mind for the kingdom of God. And I know it's a process, uh, it takes time, and I'm only still at the beginning phases, um, so don't judge me too much. Uh, but uh, I just remember that God knows where I am right now. Uh, he knows where I'm supposed to be, and he knows how to get me there. Um, I just need to do my best to fully trust in him and give him full access to my heart and do my best to obey his leading. And I will continue to be transformed um, into his image. And thank you for listening. So I wanna thank Linda again, and I just wanna pray for Linda. And one, I mean, she has been so great at this church, especially with our, with our youth, our student ministries, of really stepping up and putting a lot of time and energy into caring for them. Um, I really just appreciate you in our church. So let me pray for you. Um, God, we are grateful um, for one person in our family, God, and we are grateful for her story. We are grateful for her honesty and her encouragement for us, God, and we just want to pray for Linda that you would keep um, caring for her. Let her know your love. Let her know your care. Let her know who she is in you, and I just ask that you would just even bless the ministry she's a part of in this church of caring for other people and caring for young people and teaching young people in our church, God. Would you just bless her and keep her and give her peace? Um, amen. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. Um, I am so, I hope you are encouraged by her story that is real. It's a real story. Um, and I want to encourage you this morning, you know, for some of you, 
being a Christian is a new thing. Or maybe you're still considering being, becoming a Christian. Or, it's, or you're right there, or you're, you've just become a Christian and it's a new thing. And in that mode, there, there's an excitement and a, this, this challenge of new birth and God shifting you that can be exciting. Some of us in this room have been Christians for 5 or 10 or 20 or 30 or, or more years. And for some of us, we have to be reminded like God can still do miracles in us. We still have ways to grow. We still have edges to be changed. We still have ways that God can shift us even in longer and deeper into our journey, where we can still have testimonies of God shifting us again years later and teaching us new things um, years later. So Paul writes about our identity in this chapter, and then he writes about this sin, and we can overcome it. And then at the end of the chapter, he writes, um, I like to look for action steps in a, in a chapter where it says, yeah, and then I still do this or practice this. Verse 20, Paul says, giving thanks to God the Father at all times for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. To give thanks for everything. And in verse 19, Paul writes, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts. So as we reflect on this, idea of regeneration, that God wants to keep moving in us and keep changing us and keep molding us and keep setting us free from things. As his beloved children, Paul writes, so now go sing. Say that you're thankful. Sing songs to God with each other. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So we're going to invite the worship team um, back up and uh, we're having longer worship sets um, during Lent and shorter sermons. So we're going to have some time for us to reflect on what God is doing in our lives. We have time for you to take communion um, as the symbol, this ritual of the sacrifice of Jesus for us and our sins. And as you take communion, which is up here and also in the back, may you remember that Jesus had this sacrifice to forgive us and to regenerate us into a new life to become new people. Um, Also during this time, Billy is up here in the front row and would be honored to pray for you, to pray with you. So please take advantage of that if you would like to. Let me pray for us, then we'll move into a time of worship through song. God, we love you. And God, I ask that in this time of reflection, God, would you speak to us and may we hear you. May we hear your voice as we sing. God, remind us that we are your beloved children. You care about us. You have empathy and sympathy and compassion and grace towards us. God, let us sense your love in this moment as we sing.